Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning into the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you. And now, let us begin. Good morning, everybody. Back on to talk just a little bit about uh, trusting God today. Uh, I actually got up this morning really, really early. <laughs> uh, my son woke up and he was just wanting to hang out and things been chaotic. So I just let him sleep in my bed. I try to sleep in another bed and it didn't work. So anyway, that's, uh, that's where we're at right now. But uh, today I want to talk about trusting God. Um, today's scripture that we're going to be really focused on today is found in First Peter chapter 2. And it's like a two-part study. Um, I'm not sure how long it's going to go. But we're going to be in First Peter chapter 2, and Christ is our ultimate example. And I think a lot of us uh, understand that. We, we get it. But I don't think sometimes that we fully understand that. Because if, if we did, then uh, we would have a lot more change than we do. Now, there's a lot of us going through hardships and struggles right now that are uh, beyond. And the reality is that God is faithful. And he is true. And there's, there's a lot to be said in that. There is, there is truth in that, but also we can hang our hats on that. But a lot of people, they don't have the same viewpoint. A lot of people view God in this lens as an, I don't really need him too much. I don't really have a use for God. He hasn't done anything for me. The only thing I have in my life is pain and sorrow and heartache. And if God was a good God, then I wouldn't have these things. Therefore, I'm not going to believe in him. Uh, I will just say to that, that's not going, that doesn't hold a lot of water. Um, but let's go ahead and get into the, the meat of the word here. And we will see just what God says here. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. While, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept trusting himself to him who judges righteously so we're going to stop there and kind of just hang out there for a little bit so the first thing is we have been called uh to follow in the steps of christ it's it's not it's not enough to to, to merely just use god just to get what you want because that's that's not a mark of a true believer uh, one of the main marks of a believer, however, is to entrust yourself to God and to walk as Christ walked. That's easier said than done. And uh, we must be born again in order to walk as Jesus walked. And like I said, it's... As a Christian, 
I would just say that the hardest thing you can do is to be a Christian. Because if you've ever been in the lazy river, and a lot of us have, going with the flow is, is easy. It's relaxing, it's fun, it's exciting, sort of. But when you go against exactly that flow, things are way harder. Things are not easy. They're not pleasant. It takes work. It takes devotion and dedication. And this flow that we're talking about spiritually is, is actual the culture today. The word of God is so countercultural that I'm surprised there's not a lot more opposition than there already is because there's a lot right now. The, the, the thing about the word of God is that it challenges everything about us individually, not as a whole people, but individually. Right where you sit, right where you stand, it judges you. And it invokes a change. So we cannot sit idly by and pretend that the word of God doesn't apply to each and every single one of us. Because that's what happens. A lot of times people sit back and they say, well, it has, that book was written 2,000 years ago. It, ha it has no basis for my life. Uh, so what does that have to do with me? Well, it, it kind of goes back to what was just recently to not, I don't want to say just discovered, but the new telescope that has been uh, making a lot of headlines lately has truly been remarkable. And what I found that was really powerful in that is that it gave a lot of clear images of galaxies and stars that were very, very far away and high resolution images that just make your jaw drop. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that believe that those image, images were made on the, on the basis of a computer or animation. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things out there like that, but I'm just gonna take it for face value and say if, that's, if those are true images, then uh, praise be to God for that because he made those by the words of his mouth. That's how powerful God is. And one of the things that, that we must understand is that those things, you know, drop our jaws and they make us just like, wow. But there are people, scientists that have been saying that, I mean, everything that we've concluded from what we've seen that there that there was a beginning and god has not changed throughout the course of hi our history he has said in the beginning those are the first three words of the bible in the beginning god said so it, it's it's powerful because he spoke life into existence he spoke time to it to existence but we have to believe that it, it's not enough just to bounce around as you know little pieces of protoplasm here and there that, that's that that's not what we're about we are made in the image of god and a lot of times we ask what is the reason that I was created? Well, a lot of people don't, don't ask that question. They usually say, oh, I, why am I here on this earth? Because if, if you look at it from a, a non-Christian, uh, non-biblical point of view, the reality is that a lot of people look at life and one of the people that is absolutely closest to me just turned 40, to 40 years old. 
And the the truth is, is that the question is, it's like, wow, statistically, I am more than past halfway of my life expectancy. Now, those things are, they don't really uh, mean too much, but the average person is basically, it's roughly around the 70s. And so, so, you know, we have to, we have to look at that and, and we need to understand that, you know, time is in God's hands. But on the flip side of that is from that perspective of an unbeliever, we look at, at these things and we're like, wow, I mean, my parents right now, me personally, they're in their late 60s. And I mean, they're still in pretty good health. But we all know that that stuff can change in an instant. My dad just had a uh, heart aneurysm last year that was that he's had. They had to get replaced. Um, they had to fix it. That was a little bit spooky. And, you know, just those things are becoming a reality. Now, he know, I just talked, I just talked to him yesterday because he's going on a, uh, a work trip for uh, like three weeks. And I'm just here to share with you that he entrusts himself to God fully. Now, that had to have been developed over a course of time and, and trust. But the point I'm trying to make is that we look at things and boy, I'm here for 60, 80 years, hopefully plus that. I mean, is, is really all there is to life is eat, drink, and be merry, having kids, retiring, going on vacations, seeing the world, acquiring new toys. I, I just, I, I think there is, I think there is more to things than, than, than we're making it out to be. And I say that in all humility because there is something more. There is something more. You were put on this planet for a specific purpose. What is that specifically? I don't know. I don't know what your talents and abilities are, but our first and foremost concern is our relationship with God. Do you have one? Have you been born again? Do you entrust your life to God or are you sitting on the throne of your own heart? Those are the questions that we need to ask, but we don't want to ask those questions because if we ask them, then we have to go find find out the answer. Like, what are we here for? What's the point? What's the purpose? And I'm here to share with you that it's not just, just to eat, drink, and be merry. It's not to indulge in the the desires of, of the flesh. But there's something greater. There's something more. There's something divine that we as a people have been called. If you're listening to this right now, and I'm not unaware, there might not be 11 people in this room. Uh, there may just be one. If there's just one, great. The point is, is that it's not an accident that you're here right now listening to this message. And we're gonna keep diving into this, but understand that that there is there's something greater out there. And that's the God of heaven, whose son is Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and dive in here and let's let's break some of this apart so we can uh, let you get back to your day. So we've been called for the purpose of walking in the footsteps of Christ. Uh, cannot do that on our own. Absolutely cannot. Uh, we need the power of the Holy Spirit working within us through the scriptures, by the way, through the scriptures. And we need those. And we need 
the Holy Spirit to illumine our hearts to the scriptures to understand what we must do and must, what we must not do. Now, Christ's example is this. First off, he committed no sin. That's, that is essential. That is something that we must wholeheartedly believe. You cannot be a Christian and believe that Jesus possibly sinned. That's, that's heretical and, it, and it's blasphemous. So Jesus has committed no sin, nor is any, any deceit found in his mouth. Uh, can that be said of us? Are there, is there a deceit found in our mouths? It's a hard thing to say. and It's a hard pill to swallow because we all know that we, we sin on a daily basis. Verse 23 says, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. Again, can that be said of us? I mean, people insult us, and they say things, or they cut us off in traffic, and, you know, here we are getting upset because of those small, trivial things. And, I mean, do we, in return, revile those who revile us? And, you know, uh, speaking of that, and what I like to do on this uh, time of study is I actually like going in and looking at the uh, the Greek words to to really understand what we're talking about here. So again, uh, we're talking about reviling. What does revile mean? Uh, to abuse in return, to give abuse for abuse. So again, it's the the the, the culture has made it. To where if you are insulted, you you must you have to stand up for yourself. You have to get that reputation. You have to have people fear you. You got to stand up for yourself. And even if you cuss somebody out, tell them off. That is virtuous. If they if they really have wronged you. That that's not that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, and trust me, there are. There are situations where righteous anger is uh, correct, but if if in if you're upset about something for the right reasons and you retaliate in a sinful way, it's wrong. It's wrong. And so, again, we will not give abuse for abuse because he's our example. And if he's an example, we must again follow in his steps. So. I'm not sure if you've ever done this, but if you've ever been on a beach and or somewhere else, it doesn't have to necessarily be on a beach, but you've been in a place where someone has previously walked and you've seen their footsteps. It's been a long time since I've seen that. But I remember one time we used to take a walk uh, because our house was so close to a body of water and someone had walked down there and I was obviously at this point way too young. I was probably like 12 or so. And it was a grown man's footsteps. And there was no way I could, I mean, I had to make, make big giant strides to, to kind of keep up here. And so how I kind of look at that is Christ has set the bar ex- extremely high. He's perfect. We cannot successfully walk in his footsteps perfectly and he knows that that's why he he is gracious and patient with each and every single one of us which is such such an amazing uh attribute and quality of of god and so if, if he's patient with us and if he is gracious to us in that respect then we must also do the same for our brothers and sisters When was the last time uh, you were really patient or gracious to somebody else? That's a that's an essential question that you have to answer for yourself. So again, as we continue on with the study, 
He did not revile in return while suffering. Now, again, I, I want to make this perfectly clear because a lot of us know the story of the crucifixion. But while suffering, okay, this is what happened. And while he was suffering. Now, this is the this is a point of the study that gets a little bit like, oh boy. Because it is hard to hear, but it actually happened. That's that's the whole purpose of this. So while he's suffering, what did he suffer? Well, first off, he was up, I would say, more than 24 hours. He was arrested in the middle of the night while his disciples were sleeping. Jesus was praying because that's that that's how it is. The, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Christ said that himself. So Jesus was praying so hard and was stressed out to the max that literally was sweating drops of blood i mean a lot of us deal with anxiety and and uh things it's just stresses that take us to the point of it feels like we're gonna break uh we have a faithful high priest who has been uh, tempted in every way such as we are but without sin says that in hebrews so again we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness he knows he knows what it's like to be in the flesh. He knows what it's like to be stressed out to the max. I mean, he had the he had the weight of everybody's salvation on his shoulders. That's powerful stuff. And not only did he have that, uh, but he had you personally on his mind. At, at some point during that day, I guarantee it, that he had you on his mind. That's powerful stuff. So again, kind of going back to here, what else did he suffer? Well, he was kicked, punched, beaten with rods. He was scourged, which we're not going to go into the scourging, but it was... Very, I mean, I don't know that that alone is just a really nasty business. So he was scourged, he had a crown of thorns placed upon his skull. Which, again, I just want to mention that um, I actually gave it to my parents, but uh, I bought a authentic crown of thorns uh, from Jerusalem, and I'll just tell you right now that the um let's just say that that crown of thorns is extremely sharp <laughs> uh it barely tapped my head and it, and it was searing in pain mr todd how are you this morning hey nate good how are you doing well doing well i just heard you just sounded mad i, I just wanted to share it with you i had my one of my daughters um when you had mentioned uh, that he had behind at that time, and um, and it just reminded me of something that I had a conversation with a little girl the other day, and she was asking. Um, we were talking about you know all the things and how important she was and and all that kind of stuff, and she uh, she made was like, so why did God make all you know if He knew we were going to be so bad. Why did he why did he do that? Why did he go ahead and do this whole thing? You know, if he knew we were going to mess up, he knew we were going to do these things. He knew that we were all going to he's all knowing that, you know, he would go through all of this stuff. And um, and it was such a great question. Right. I mean, it's such a hard one for for us as, you know, finite beings to understand and, to you know, to answer such a hard question. And. And this answer came to me and it was not, it was not of me um, by any means, but, um, but I told her, and this is what I said to her. And I think this is something really that all kids should hear was that, um, so he knew you before the making of everything, right? And he loves you, my little girl, so much that he knew he had to, he knew you before, and he knew he had to go through all those things 
to rescue you. Had he not done that, he would have never gotten to you. So it's what all of these things, these conglomeration of things is what it was required to get to my little girl. And in order to get to her, that's how valuable you are to him. It was that he was willing to go through all of this because without all of this, he wouldn't have you. I just thought that was something that was kind of, kind of cool for a you know for a kid to to listen and hear that you know that it's a lot of it is has everything to do with his love for us. Yeah, how old? She is um, she's eleven now, or she'll be eleven in a couple of days. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that that you know that I tell you that that's a great question. Um, and I, I tell you, out of the out of the mouth of babes, right? I mean, yeah, they they uh, even my little three year old the other day, uh, uh, there was an ad that was on my on my phone. I was uh, watching watching like uh, a, a, a I was gonna listen to a preacher, and uh, uh, there's an ad that came on it, um, which is kind of sad now because they actually have. Uh, language that's not appropriate on there <laughs> and uh and he goes god that's not right you know i'm like how do you dude, you're only three man <laughs> but uh but i mean they, they just you know uh I, I believe that's why that's why jesus had a really soft spot for children because like they get it um and they believe um unapologetically i mean they they just have such an honest honest faith and 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 somewhere along the way uh, you know each and every one of us loses that and so when they when they do that and they say ask ask those questions and you're able to you know think of a response um that's you know biblically accurate that you know would glorify god with that answer is 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 something it's something special because it takes you back to kind of to where you once were, but also it's, it comes full circle because it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I was devoted to God before I had kids, but after I had kids, it just gave me a whole new perspective on, on, you know, my kids, you know, at times fight and argue and all these things of that nature. <laughs> but boy, I tell you what, I, I would die for any one of them in a heartbeat. I just, and so if, if me as a, as a sinner have that, has that mentality, how much greater is that uh, of God? I, I think um, whenever um, in, in the marriage, there's so much of, of, you know, difficulties that we have, you know, between understanding our spouses and, and all of these things. And it teaches us, uh, you know, really kind of gives us an insight into uh, communion. And, and then when you get your kids, it's where you start to understand the communion of a triune God, right? Because it gives a great example from three different directions, and it's a representative of that too. And when we start to see that, we, I think they give us such an insight into the purity of, of understanding things better, right? Without, without the muddled mess that we get from the outside world and the influences of, you know, contradictory things and, and, and bringing more, you know, more, I think the more we experience life, the more we experience self and the more that we continue to, to want to serve self instead of, instead of serving, you know, serving your creator and, and, and that. And I think it's when we get to the, to the kids, we start to see they, you know, it bugs the crap out of me whenever they go to point all these things out that are my own, my own issues that I'm talking about, but it's always my opportunity to, to be a representative of not what's good, but what repentance looks like. Um, you right. know, and, and I think that that's my, it, those are opportunities that as a father, I get to, um, I get to be an example. And I think we get confused with it. Sometimes we think we're the example of what's, good and right and actually i'm i'm really a good representative of or i should be of you know what repentance looks like and what you know admitting and humbling myself right because that's what we're called to do is to humbly yeah. you know repent and and acknowledge our our wrongdoings um and be that example of not being righteous but being being repentant 
and uh, and and trying to align myself with what is right and good. But uh, but yeah, I think that man, kids have um, man, my kids have taught me a lot of and and point happened to you know bring me to light a lot of you know my fallacies and my problems. Um, they and 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 it's and it's maddening at first, but really when it, I realize that it's. It's way, God's way of being able to, to point out to me where I need work. And uh, so, yeah, kids are, kids reveal a lot of, a lot of my junk. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I completely are with you right there. I mean, uh, I mean, the, the truth is, is, you know, when you get, when you're living with your parents, um, it's, it's one thing because you know that they are the authority. And then when you get out of the house, then you're gonna, I get all this, I get all this uh, freedom from authority. I'm the one that can run my life the way I want and everything else. And um, and the, the truth is, is, you know, um, if you don't have uh, one, someone to hold you accountable, uh, I mean, it's a really dangerous game to play because uh, I just I just know my own heart. But the thing is, is if you don't have God, I mean, that's it, kind of like the, the kind of like, uh, you know double jeopardy, and it, it's and that's the thing that that kind of humbles me the most is is that when I've when I have my, of course, you know, wives, you know, that they they hold you kind of all the time. They there is no filter. <laughs> they they're going they're going to call it like they see it um and one of the biggest i mean it wasn't a slap to my face but it was a spiritual slap to my face and she called me out on it i'm like you know what she's right much as i hate to admit it but when your kids do it i mean and they and they they copy the things that you do that are of course they always copy and and it just goes back to that word that you said that I, I really appreciate is, is repentance because as, as you Christ, as you are saturated in the word of God, the more repentant your heart is over the things that are, that are sinful because you know that the reality of your sin and we just, and we're just reading here in first Peter two, that he bore our sins in his body on a tree and that's not something to take lightly and you know uh, yeah we're, i think you know, one of the hard things yeah, i think think that well i just got 20 seconds i was gonna say the one thing i think that's really the, the hardest part about repentance is as acknowledging your need for repentance yes right i mean it's i'm i'm, I'm quick to say i'm sorry and i'm quick to try and and do something about it my difficulty is acknowledging my 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 sinful nature yeah, and I, I like to have you hop back on uh, to kind of really dig in that, unless you have to go. But you know, Todd, Todd, the more we talk, the more I, the more I enjoy our conversation. And you know, uh, I want you to keep, I want you to keep going on on repentance. But uh, go ahead. I, you know, I think that the the hardest part, I think it's. I think at the at the core of any of any you know person, you know your desire is not you know a lot, a lot of us are just have a desire to be right or have to be you know righteous and 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 I think that more than anything speaks to you know your longing for you know home or the way that you know peace and and love the way that it was designed at first right um, mm. and and but I think that our our confusion is that we find that within ourselves and that we can provide that you know ourselves and 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 as we try to do that we try to figure some of that out we find the fallacy in it and when we in it in it, the crazy part is that we don't realize that that's speaking to you know your eternal home not to this home and once you come to that understanding and realize and remember and it's such a I think it speaks a lot to the the position that he leaves us in right now that he doesn't um once I am positionally um saved and from my sins that I'm still left in the position of experiencing and dealing with my depravity 
And the reason why is that because I could quickly, I know me, and I would easily quickly decide that um, it wouldn't take me a day of being righteous to go like, I got this and I need to write the next book on how to do it right because I figured it all out, you know, and I would take all that, you know, mm-hmm. glory upon myself and saying, I, but, you know, here's the next guy that's got it all together. And he doesn't leave me in that position right. because he loves me enough to grow me in my struggles, right? And so as he's growing me through that, it's teaching me to be humble in my position, right? And and through my humbling me, he continues to grow me in a better understanding of other people's positions and situations, right? Um, but in order to do that, those those fallacies in my life have to be pointed out. And so when they're pointed out, unfortunately, the majority of the time that's pointed out is from my kids and my wife, you know, and, and, and I don't want to hear it. And so <laughs> until I'm, until I'm humble enough to, to acknowledge that I, I am still, you know, positionally in that position that I am going to be, you know, he is going to grow me through my struggles. I have to humbly look, take an honest look and have some introspective into where I'm at and, and what I'm dealing with in my own struggles. Um, it stinks to have it pointed out a lot. And I, you know, once I get over one hurdle, um, it's, it's, uh, it's another one's pointed out to me. I remember distinctly the time that uh, I, I used to dip tobacco for gosh, 20 something years. I, I dipped and I was a bit heavy dipper. And um, I spit everywhere. I was it was it was disgusting. Um, but you know, just an old cowboy with a bunch of wad of tobacco in my mouth, and I spit everywhere. And my little boy was walking around. And he's like you know two waddling around, you know, following behind me, walking on me. He turns, looks off, and he spits. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like you know, it, it, he really couldn't even speak much, you know. Mm-hmm. But but boy, how condemning was it that he just did that because he's wanting to walk around and be like me, and he exposes me for another place that I find, um, I find my joy or I find um, when I quit dipping, um, it was not because he requires that of me or because it was some kind of different deal, but I would. I would pick my routes and I would pick the hotels that I would stay at whenever I would go to competitions outside of town and wherever I would pick which ones I would go to based on who had the kind of tobacco that, um, at what convenience store on the way to the grounds. And that's how much it was a part of ruled over my life. Right. And it was not Mm -hmm. that he requires me to get rid of that, but that I loved that so much that it was a distraction right? It was showing my love. And if I'm going to sacrifice anything, like I should sacrifice the things that get in my way or that are something that I do love, like then, then that's a true sacrifice, not because he needs tobacco or anything, but, um, but that he, um, requires more of me and that I want to give him what I love because I was loving it more than, you know, than I was loving him because it just, it was more of a thought of my day than anything else. And so, you know, having something like that, you know, that I, I was coveting a lot or I was, I was, it, it consumed a lot of my thoughts um, and my planning was pointed out to me by my little boy who was just, you know, he saw what I was doing all the time. And what was I doing? I was kind of just running a part of, really running, well, it was a running a part of my life. It was, it was something that was, I was taking the time to, to interject into every part of my planning. And something as simple as that, I think that's a representative of what your kids can expose in you. And maybe even in a way that, you know, would frustrate me if my wife had said it. Mm-hmm. So, so. Yeah. Now, I, well, I, I, first off, I appreciate the, uh, the openness of, you know, of that. And, you know, uh, Corinthians talks about, you know, fleeing from idolatry and, you know, we can make anything an idol. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the thing. And, and it's, like I said, for some reason, uh, it's, it's maybe it's because I'm not trying to pick on wives here, but because, I, because <laughs> we're both married. So I'm just saying that, um, when they, when they call us out on something, it's like, well, it's just added to the list of things that, you know, as, 
for joking purposes, but mm-hmm. but when you're when you're when your kids notice that it's a whole different level, um, because they're because they're innocent and you know by everything that you do and say, it's molding them them into, you know what they're going to be. And the the other the other thing about that too, is that you know are we giving them a godly example of of things? And what I thought was was really powerful about that. Uh, story you just shared is that you know um you could have you could have just kept kept going with it you could have kept making you know uh, justifications for it but uh, you know you saw that if it if it was controlling your life in that in that manner um and that it was it was overtaking your thoughts and your decision making then that you know that those things they don't they don't do it initially like suddenly but over the course of time, they become, they, they, they it just overtakes you. And, and that's, and that's not just, just the tobacco. It could be anything. And, you know, it could be pornography. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it can even, it could even be your job. It, it can even be your, uh, the, the worst thing is it could be, even be yourself. And, um, you know, and all of that, like I, I, I'd say yes. to every bit of it. And, you know, I think the crazy part that to be honest with it, with you on it is that, you know, it wasn't like, you know, okay, so I'm going to eliminate that from my life and I quit that. Like it took me a year or, or more to, to really like the tobacco was a horrible addiction that I, that it took me a long time. Like the, the first, I don't know, first month or so of, of doing without it. I mean, like I dreamed about it. I was, I was the most horrible person to be around. I, and it took me you know, two, three attempts before I finally did, and, you know, and, and, and could kick it and get away from it. And, um, but in the process of that, it showed, it exposed me for, exposed me to just how much it was a part of my life and how, how deeply I was, you know, uh, it was entrenched into my life as my decisions and where I was staying to, you know, like my whole days and when I was going to go somewhere to go get some more and, it was just ridiculous. And it was something as like tobacco. It wasn't like, you know, heroin, but God, right. it felt like it was, you know, and that's the same as just me, you know, serving myself and my own desires and everything else. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and then once that was exposed, then he, you know, exposed many more things along the way, you know, it's not just one thing, but, and it's not one thing that I, I think the process of, um, sanctification right is something that is uh, a lifetime journey it's not something that i'm positionally going to change my position at that time like in 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 dealing with it right that's that's how he grows us he grows us through struggle nobody grows through you know and learns and becomes better at different things from you know prosperity and i think that's Mm -hmm. what our country's finding that's what our country's finding out right now is that prosperity doesn't grow in understanding. Struggle grows in understanding. Struggle is where growth is at. And that's truth. That's a biblical truth. That's, oh, yeah. how, that's how a good For father sure. grows his children, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I've got to get back. Yeah. I've got to get back to work. But I um, I love, I, I enjoy your, li- I'll, I'll still listen. I love it. Thanks. Uh, hey, you know what? Thank you, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm, like I said, I want to be a little more consistent. It's just with the, summon everything it's been it's been crazy but you know um todd brings up really great points and i hope i hope that you're you're listening in uh very carefully because you know this is the struggle doesn't get um any easier um the older you get um and we find that habits are really hard to kick and and a lot of times we can do things but um like my oldest son right now he's he's going through a really hard time and you know he's not really one to ask for advice uh, or to come up and talk to his old man but uh because he's all 18 years old now he knows everything but i you know i i went to him i said look pal uh, I know you're going through a hard time, but you need to take it to the Lord in prayer. I, I know is I know what that sounds like, probably to his age, but 
you know, I said through my deepest, darkest trials, I've always taken it to him and he's always come through. Now, he may not give you the actual answer that you desire. It may be a no, for sure. Um, but the truth is, is that, you know, um, the struggle is real. Uh, and everybody wants to talk about uh, Christ the Savior and being a friend of God. Everyone wants to talk about those things. They want to talk about pros prosperity, but they don't want to talk about the suffering. Uh, it, it was through suffering that set us free. And, and, and when the Bible tells us to, that we must die to self, that is, that is suffering. That is going against the flow. It's going against everything that we, we, we know. So the Bible really, and the other thing is the gospel doesn't offer the sinner what it wants naturally. Because the natural person wants health, wealth, and prosperity. Angels working for them. Uh, they want the byproducts of the faith, but they don't want Christ himself. That's, that's the issue. It's not about the byproducts. It's not about those things. It's about Christ. Because this study is about Christ. It's, everything in the Bible is about Christ. And, and we need to get on board with that. Because, again, I'm going to say it one more time. Everybody wants the saving part of Christ. They, want, they love the Savior part, but they don't, like, they, don't, they don't fall in love with the Lordship of Christ. They don't fall in love with the sufferings of Christ. Uh, they don't want to suffer themselves. And, you know, you can read it in uh, Timothy, but it says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted at some point or another. You know, you start believing in Christ, your friend's going to start giving you static for it. Your family. Trust me, family. I have family members right now, and some of you have heard. You know, my in-laws absolutely hate the faith. Don't know what, don't know why, uh, but they would gravitate um, to a um, a drunken member of the family who is abusive and neglectful. Um, they would gravitate to that person versus someone who is uh, grounded in, in Christ and you know, yes, sinful. I am very, I'm sinful. I'm a sinful person. I'm not gonna. And it's biblical. A lot of, there's a lot of false teachings out there saying that, oh, you can't be a Christian if, you, if you're still in sin. They take the Bible out of context, entire thing, and they think they are experts. But uh, if anybody says to you that you must be fully cleansed of sin, you never sin the rest of your life to be a Christian, that's, that's, that's a wrong teaching. You can find that out in First John. I would encourage you to read that book as well. So let's go ahead and let's start finishing up here with uh, some last piece of scripture. If anything else uh, stands out to you or impacts your heart, please hop on. It's been a while. Uh, so I'm kind of making the most of this opportunity here. So again, let's, let's go to, we, we talked about it with Todd, but Jesus in verse 23 while he's going through all the sufferings on the cross, he kept entrusting himself to him, God, who judges justly. Understand that Christ is going to judge the dead and the living one day. That's going to happen. God gave that authority to Christ. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Jesus gave us that perfect example of humility where he humbled himself on the cross he humbled himself on in his ministry his whole life is humility and we ought to emulate that we need to copy that we need to be that now as we start to come to the end here it says this he himself, verse 24, let's talk about Christ here, bore our sins in his body on the cross, or some translations say on a tree, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Okay, did you hear that? 
we're talking about suffering here, that we might die to sin. So Christ didn't die for nothing. He didn't die to set us completely free so that we can live our lives uh, willy-nilly, free to do what we please, and we can just use God as our get-out-of-jail-free card and say, God, forgive me for this sin I'm about ready to commit. I mean, you've heard that many times before. But we might die to sin. De that means depart from life. <laughs> I mean, we know what dying is. We die to sin. Now, there are aspects and, and pieces of our life that must be sanctified and that we need to work on. Absolutely. And that is a process. That is a struggle. And you heard Todd, you know, he just went bold for Christ. Because there were things that, and one thing in particular, and I'm sure that he'd be humble enough to admit that there would be more, and just like there is with the rest of us, but one thing in particular that really stood in his way, it took years to do that. And I'm in the same boat. There, I struggled with a couple things for years. And trust me when I tell you, it doesn't get, it, it didn't get easier the older I got. But the more I trusted Christ, the more I prayed in the spirit, the more I, I was saturated in the scriptures, the more I was willing to die to myself because that part of you has to die. Because it's not what God has called you to be. He's, he makes it very clear. Be holy as I am holy. That's the, that's the walk of a believer is to, is to advance in holiness, to become more like Christ, to be, be transformed into the image of Christ's God's son. That is the goal of a believer. And far too many times we get caught up in uh, what can we get out of the faith? What's in it for me? The reality is, is, is we serve God. We serve Christ. We pursue him with all of our heart, all of the day long. Not just when times are going bad. I had a gentleman call me uh, yesterday. And I guess I haven't really, I, I guess I haven't said this. So I'll just give you a little bit of a backstory. Um, I recently uh, made it known uh, my desire to be uh, a deacon at, at my church. And, you know, I, I don't say that to get any applause or uh, I'm not going to put that on my, on my uh, profile information. Uh, but the qualifications found in 1 Timothy 3, I, I take with the utmost seriousness. And I'll tell you, uh, it was years in the making. Because I, I, I just I take what God says extremely serious, and I don't want to be found unworthy or not qualified. So it took a long time. Finally, it came. So with all that being said, I was in a Bible study yesterday morning with a group of uh, of some leaders and a couple people that are uh, they don't have they're not leaders per se but they've been in the church for a while and so we were having a, a good study and uh, what uh one of the gentlemen there that i've got to know he said uh nate i'm gonna be coming to you a lot more now like okay <laughs> okay um and i always get i always get the the greatest time talking to him and, and fellowshipping with him so long story short he called me yesterday i'm literally Try, hanging up curtains uh, on my front porch, uh, just doing, just getting some honeydew list done, and uh, basically, guy called me, the same guy, and I was, I, I thought I was kind of odd, and I'm like, what's going on, man? And he just basically told me that uh, he's found some news from the doctor about, you know, something, a situation with his legs, and he's, he's a nurse, so he kind of, he kind of knows what's up, and you know, he just said, like, you know, Nate, I just, um, I came to you um, uh, because I, I know, I know that I'm hoping, basically I told him that you, 
you need to trust God. And you need to you need to put your trust and faith in him. And we'll, we'll all be praying for you. And I offered, and if, if you need anything, let me know. Um, so I'll drop whatever it is and do it. And I said, what can I do for you? And he said, well, you basically did what I was hoping you would do. And this isn't a story about me, uh, but this is a story about him because his next words were the, the powerful words because he said, all I want to do, Nate, is trust God through this process. And I want to stand up for Christ during this trial. And I, I'm here to tell you that that doesn't come uh, just from one, a one-time experience. It's entrusting yourself to God, who is faithful. And he knows that, that there's no fear in that because he told me that. I'm not fearful. This is news I wasn't expecting, so it kind of, kind of set me back a little bit. But you know, I, I want to really trust God through this process. And that is, that is a mark of a believer because through the sufferings, what what are you gonna who are you gonna run to? Are you gonna run to yourself? Are you gonna run to other people? Or are you gonna run to God? And it's not just going to God when times are bad. Because there's a lot of Christians out there that have not learned the maturity of trusting in God. Because a lot of times what happens, some people get angry with God. God, how can you let this happen to me? Why do I have to go through this? Again, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you're exempt from, from difficulties and hardships. But it, it, and it also, it's not about Christ delivering you from every single thing. But it's getting you through it. There's a difference. I'm going to say it one more time. Christ doesn't have to deliver you from every single thing, but it's what he does through it. He can, he's going to deliver you through it. He's going to give you the strength. And here's the thing. He's never going to leave you throughout the process. Because sometimes when people's health fail, they start, it start, they start getting, I, I hate to say it because it's, it's the truth. But people get, they don't like when people are sick. They, they don't want to hang around that. So some people just kind of like, eh, I'm good. But Christ is going to be there in the midst of all that. And even if the worst case scenario happens where your life is up. And here's the thing. If God wants to take your life, um, first off, it's his to take. Second, there's, no, there's nothing we can do or say in, in, in the midst of that. We can't argue our way. We can't. We can't convince God to give us more time. Once he says it's up, it is up. It is his will, whether we live or breathe to have our being. So it really comes boils down to what are we doing with the time that we have on this earth? What are we doing with it? Are we living for ourselves? Are we living for God's glory? Now let's go ahead and finish this. Because these last two are powerful. So I'm going to read 24 and 25, then we're, we're going to be done. 24 says, and he himself, again, we read this again, but this is so powerful, bore our sins in his body on the cross or on a tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Two things, and this is so powerful. Number one, that we must die to sin. What, is, what are some sins in your life right now that you are committing as keeping you away from God. Maybe you don't know. But I'll tell you what will tell you what they are is the word of God. Because that's one thing that he does. The Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, convicts the world of sin. He convicts the world of sin. So that's why people don't want to read the word because it convicts people. And the second thing, we must live to righteousness. And God's word is righteous. It is true. It is just. It is perfect. So in order to live to righteousness, we need to be in the word of God. Colossians 3.16 
you've heard me say this many times. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. It needs to be completely and utterly permeated into the heart. And we must use our mind in conjunction with our heart to understand that these situations we go through are not just by chance. That there might be opportunities to display the things that we've learned in Scripture to, to put them into practice in, in obedience because it's through obedience to God's word and his commands that we show them that we love them. Powerful stuff. But, but Christ died so that we can die to sin. That's why we are crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who lives, but Christ lives within us. We walk by faith, not by sight. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for the glory and honor of Christ Jesus, our Lord. We live to righteousness, no longer, again, to ourselves and to our earthly desires that lead to condemnation and damnation. And verse 25 says, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. You know what a shepherd does? No, it doesn't just take care of sheep, but gently guides them into the correct path. Now, will that sometimes be a little more of a harder nudge? Could be. Could be. It could take your uh, two-year-old to mimic something you do wrong to get your attention. Or your three-year-old to call you out when the ad says a bad word. Trust me on that. <laughs> but the reality is that we die to sin. We live to righteousness because we have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of our souls. Now, what is a, what is a guardian here? It's a superintendent, an overseer, supervisor, ruler especially used with the reference to supervising function exercised by an elder or like a Presbyterian or Presbyterian, excuse me, uh, presbyter of a church or congregation. So like an elder. Okay. Always watchful. God is always watching out for you. He wants you to walk the path of righteousness and holiness. But what do we do? We want to live for ourselves. We want to live for our own glory. And here's, here's the truth of the matter. Is that we must entrust ourselves to God. He holds everything, our life, in his hands. And we must be obedient to him when it comes to his word. So let, let's go back one more time and, and let's figure out some main points here so far. So what do we, what have we learned today? Well, number one, Christ suffered for us. He left us an example. And not just an example that we can say, wow, he just, he lived a good life. I mean, he, he was a, a really good guy. Now, he lived that life. He gave us that example to, here it is, have us follow in his footsteps. Jesus is, is sinless. He's perfect. And I'm telling you that while he was being insulted and reviled, mocked he did nothing in retaliation he uttered no threats he by the way he could have he had every right to he has every right to 
He who is holy and righteous and just has every single right to retaliate, but he didn't. He chose grace and patience and love. That's powerful stuff. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly and righteously. And we must do that ourselves. And he bore our sins on the cross so that we no longer live for ourselves and live for our sins, but we die to our sins and we live for righteousness and we we return as straying sheep to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. Amen to that. So with that, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who uh, joined me today. Maybe, uh, maybe there's some people on here that uh, hopped on real quick and hopped off. But if you have remained through the entirety of this uh, study, I thank you. And I appreciate you. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who has been patient with me. Uh, these things will uh, start being a little more frequent because the reality is uh, with, with the summer, we've had so many projects going on. Uh, I'm starting to wrap up a seminary. I'm, I'm going to be taking a lot of tests here coming up. So, uh, and then school's going to be starting here less than a month. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things happening right now. So with that being said, I want to say thank you to everybody who has joined me today. Uh, I pray that God blesses you tremendously, and I hope that through the study today that you could see how good and faithful he is, and if you have any other additional questions or things that are on your heart that you want to know about uh, God or Christ or anything or salvation or any questions that have maybe hindered you from believing because you just maybe couldn't get any answers, uh, feel free to email me. there's nothing more important than, than sharing Christ with people. And that's, and that's all I want to do. So again, you have any questions like that at all, please, uh, please message me. I'll be more than happy to answer. So that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps each and every single one of you and gives you peace. And remember my dear brothers and sisters that everything is in Christ with Christ and for Christ. And until next time, God bless you all.